Listening to List It, a show where uh, me and a guest rank and list things that we find interesting in pop culture. Uh, I'm very excited about today's show, and I I was kind of on the fence about how wh- where I wanted to take this show because this is this is the spooktacular edition of this of of List It. List It's not a very creepy show, and that's sort of by design. We we talk about a lot of inconsequential things, but today I want to do something a little bit different because. I, before bed, one of the things that I do if I can't sleep is I just start looking up random things on Wikipedia. And I I, I do this a couple times a week. And I find myself, like, I'll, I'll start reading a weird article and I'll start clicking on links and I'll go down these rabbit holes. And all of a sudden, an hour will have gone by. And I've just been sucked down the Wikipedia rabbit hole. So I thought it'd be fun to do an episode of my favorite Wikipedia or some of my favorite Wikipedia rabbit holes and I wanted to have someone join me that has uh, an equal appreciation of weird stuff that you can read about on the internet particularly right here at Halloween time I'm very excited about my guest today Mr. John David Harris Uh, JD is not only a good buddy of mine uh, he's also a very talented creative director if you checked out my other podcast hiding something which that's where all that's where the real scares and spooks come in. But he designed the logo for that, which which I'm very proud of. It's a very cool logo. JD, welcome to List It, man. Thank you, thank you. It's, I'm happy to be here. Now, now, JD, we we've worked together for a long time, yep. and I, I feel like our water cooler conversations were basically almost. We occasionally chop it up about some sports. You know, sure. you're you're a yeah. big sports guy, and or music or movies and that type of thing. But, you know, we when when we would really kind of kind of get into it, it would be about weird, interesting stuff we found on the Internet. Now, before we we jump into our list of weird, fun Wikipedia rabbit holes to dive down, J.D., in your opinion, what makes a Wikipedia rabbit hole stand out to you? What's something that draws you in? So I was thinking about that when you when you asked me, invited me to be on here. um, I was like, am I going to talk about just like the weirdest topics I can think about or or like the weirdest things I've stumbled upon. And what what I ended up using as my filter for the Wikipedia rabbit hole is it has to start in one place, maybe by okay. something a little unusual. Yeah. But by the end of it, you're you're in some place somewhere else. Totally different. Yeah, or like exactly. to a level that you never expected you to be in. And you're you do that moment I, I have the same thing before bed. I'm like getting all my <laughs> blue light waves crashed into my Coronas. And I just like, I'll be reading, reading, reading. And I'm just like, sit up. And I'm like, what in the world? And I like, can't believe, how did I not what? know about what? this? That, that's a Holly, great thing. About, Holly, yeah, you'll never believe. <laughs> so the other thing about of Wikipedia rabbit holes is like, you feel like you've discovered information that very few humans have actually know about i mean obviously someone wrote and this is partly why i love wikipedia just as like an experiment in human behavior because it preserves information that otherwise would just float would just float away so before we jump in the list jd i want to do a couple honorable mentions that showcase what makes a really good wikipedia rabbit hole if that's cool so i'll read a couple of my honorable mentions and i'll 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 ping it over to you 
So what one thing, one thing. Okay, so uh, uh, one thing that I like about Wikipedia rabbit holes is when it's a, a part of history that you thought you knew, you thought you were pretty educated about, mm. and you're like, how did I never learn about this? <laughs> like, how how did I know a lot about this period of history, and and this never came up one time? So one example of this, and this again, honorable mention, it didn't make the full list because not that long of a Wikipedia rab- uh, rabbit hole, but it has a great see also list at the mm. bottom of the article. Article mm. of like other weird stuff you can read about. So the one this is one that didn't make my list, but it showcases that kind of weird history is bat bombs. Do you know what bat <laughs> bombs are? No, um, but I could guess. <laughs> <laughs> so, so after the bombing of Pearl Harbor at the, you know in World War II, yeah. uh, the United States was trying to mount some defense plan, and some scientists hatched a plan. To they were going to go kidnap a bunch of hibernating bats in Mexico. They were going to put them in steel containers like that look like bombs as they're hibernating, and they were going to strap bombs to them, drop them over Japan, and when the bats woke up, they would go and basically fly around and blow up. I'm going to read you a couple lines from this Wikipedia mm. entry, and you and you tell me if this is not a good rabbit hole. The bomb consisted of a bomb-shaped uh, casing with over a thousand compartments, each containing hibernating Mexican free-tailed bat with a small timed incendiary bomb attached. Here, I love this too. After Roosevelt gave the project his approval, it was relegated to the authority of the United States Air Force. <laughs> the, the, okay, and JD, do you know why we didn't end up doing this? No, why? Because they were, I shouldn't laugh. I mean, I, thankfully, no human was injured. I, we did lose some Mexican bats, but during during training at Carlsbad Airfield Base, a couple of the bats with bombs got out and fell asleep, like they attached themselves to the bottom of a fuel truck, and it blew up one night no. and basically destroyed the entire artillery range, no. thus ending our experiment with bat bombs. But for C, also, you have Project Pigeon an anti-tank dog, explosive rat, Japanese balloon bombs. All of those are great. That is a Wikipedia rabbit hole right there. That's good. That's good. Yeah. JD, what is, what is something on your honorable mention list? So I, there's a a couple ones and, and these are just, they're just good old fashioned Wikipedia rabbit holes. One is a list of incidents at Disney world. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm just assuming they're pretty. They're, they're incidents, probably that Disney doesn't want you to know. <laughs> well, it's it's funny because it's it's Wikipedia, right? So it has everything on there. So you have everything from like a dude vomited on the teacups, which is like okay, <laughs> cool, to like possible decapitation on water slide. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because where else are these things cataloged for later like, human nowhere. consumption? Yeah. You know. Yeah. Like five thousand years in the future, like when 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 people when humanity is looking back at us, like we look at people back in you know uh, Mesopotamian times. Mm-hmm. You know, we have mm-hmm. to look through scrolls. People are going to be like, "Hey, back in 1987, someone found three toenails in a pizza that they bought at the Magic Kingdom." Like right. that will be documented forever in this list. So oh, it's so good. So I want here. Here's another one that the, the can I be honest with you, JD. The reason that made honorable mention isn't because it's not interesting. It's actually fascinating, and it falls into it falls into the category of weird, like human 
uh, uh, conditions. You know, like people that <laughs> experience strange things, especially like medically. And I, the only reason this didn't make my list is because I honestly didn't want to talk about it for an extended period of time. <laughs> but conditions like the Mandela effect, where mm-hmm. people collectively, people think that they experience something. So I think it gets his name. I think there was like, a, a, you know, people had assumed they remembered the death of Nelson Mandela, but actually before when he was still living. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. you know, there, there, that, that this collective memory. And so the, another famous example of the Mandela effect is a lot. There are a lot of people who could have sworn they saw a Sinbad play a genie in the movie Shazam. Right. right. That was right. actually a movie that, that starred Shaquille O'Neal. It never started. Sinbad's never played a genie, but people swore they've seen it. And that is a phenomenon called the Mandela effect. I love reading Wikipedia articles about those kind of weird phenomenons. So, J.D., this one didn't make my list. And I'm going to read the first line of the Wikipedia entry so you can see why it didn't. But it is so long that if you're having trouble falling asleep and you can get past the nature of this phenomenon, it is a fascinating read. It's called the Mariko Oiki phenomenon. Okay, one guess what this is, J.D., um, I have and no remember th- this. Anything Wikipedia, that I'm thinking of is probably inappropriate. This this Wikipedia entry is is probably ten thousand words long. It is <laughs> it is the size of a small book. It is this is the first line. The Japanese expression referring to the ur- referring to an urge to defecate that is suddenly felt after entering bookstores. So mm-hmm. I would think it had to do with the coffee and the reading material, but <laughs> there are so many theories of why people experience this odd phenomenon. What? I can't say I've never really thought about it, you know, but I mean, mm-hmm. there's a whole Wikipedia article. So some, some people think it has something to do with the vertical orientation of the books, like triggering some sort of nervous system response. Uh, there's another psychologist that says, quote, the oppressive nature of bookshelves may be the cause of simulating the defecation. Like, where else where else are you going to read about this stuff? What did you have any other did you any other kind of uh, uh, honorable mentions that didn't make your list? Yeah. So um, uh, there's a there's one that's just kind of a playoff of my last one. There's a there's an actual Wikipedia article called The List of Lists. Okay. And and all it is it is just list of academic journals, list of important publications in science, list of problems, list of unsolved problems, list of books, list of 100 best books, list and I mean it just goes like if you're scrolling, it yeah. like you scroll like 10 or 12 times of just clickable links that go random list after random list list of hospitals in Africa list of currently active military equipment by country list of uh, law schools I mean just anything and these are they're kind of more mundane yeah um but they are um it is just it's just a list and the last little honorable mention that I had um was I don't know if you've ever dove into the story of the the toy and bee tiles. Yes, that, that I, that, they almost made my list. So tell people what they are because this 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 was on this was on the bubble for me because yeah. it's just so fascinating. It's such a weird innocuous mystery. Like there's nothing sinister about right, it, right? No, know? and <clears throat> it's um, now my memories because I didn't when it didn't make my list. I didn't do the full research, but off the top of my head, there were these handmade um, like mosaic style tiles that were 
that were found all over mostly am i right philadelphia area yeah is that accurate yeah Mm -hmm. and um they had all these strange references to um the the poet um Toenby, right? And, yeah. and and about the end of the world and all these things. The the craziness is is they were meticulously crafted kind of rantings of a madman that would typically take like you would imagine like months to create and they yeah. were literally showing up in the middle of city streets and sidewalks overnight and they would just yeah pop up and there was also like urban legends of radio transmissions that you would hear scattered throughout the city uh, uh all about person like this person quoting this thing and there was actually a fascinating documentary that i saw once um all about it and they think they figured out who the guy was behind it did they ever did they ever have a motive that they identified uh uh n- just mental health just you know yeah. he just had a he was having some sort of episode breakdown and um but they they were talking about how um they they found like his car and his car the passenger seat had actually been removed and a hole was drilled in the floor of the car oh so, that so he, he could lay the tiles lay the tiles down and then he would have them like already pre-made and then like drive up Park the car, and while he looks like he's just sitting at a stoplight, he's yeah. like secretly shoving these tiles in, in the ground, and he could just drive off, and no one would ever see him. Mm. It was crazy. Dude, I love stuff like that, like real life, you know, kind of weird mysteries and scavenger hunts. Okay, so yeah. I think I think we got the table set pretty well here. Nice. For, and we're each going to do four. So, JD, here's what we'll do: you do your number four, then I'll do my number four. You do your number three, I'll do my number three. Okay, and we'll go down the list. All right, JD, your fourth favorite internet weird wikipedia rabbit hole to go down so i love stories about weird weather okay okay so so at first it's like you kind of start and it's it's talks about you know you first start and you're like oh my gosh there's been a ton of hurricanes this year or whatever and you're like reading about crazy hurricane seasons and then you get onto something of like the locust plague of 1874 when there were 12.5 trillion locusts that descended upon the midwestern united states like you could not see through like a legit biblical plague like locust status totally and and you're talking this is Sometime, um, this would be before it, but I mean, you're talking one, one generation maybe removed from like the Dust Bowl era. Mm-hmm. So like there would be people who would remember both things in yeah. their, in their lifetime, just these plagues of locusts. And then you'd have like in 1815. So only, you know, 15 years or 50 years beforehand, there was, um, a volcanic eruption in Indonesia in okay. the Mount, uh, Mount Tambora. And it created so much ash and like dust in the air that summer just didn't come that year. There's mm. no summer. <laughs> it never became summer. And what's crazy to me is 1815 is you know that's that's not like yesterday. That's a little yeah. that's a little ways ago. But you but it's not think, ancient history. No, it's not. It's like you would think we would know about it. You would think yeah. you'd be like, oh yes, 1815, the year there where it was <laughs> winter was lot- all year round. 
but but that's what makes that's what makes a, a great Wikipedia rabbit hole so great because it's like, dude, this sounds like it was a major thing at the time, and right. we've yeah. just all but forgotten about it. Yeah, and like no one cares, no one cares. It was like you know, always winter, never Christmas, all that, and it's just <laughs> so. No one so cares. if pe- if people wanted to go down that rabbit hole, would they look up eighteen fifteen plague of locust plague? So you can actually start by just starting off and typing in weird weather. And most okay. of the time, what you would get is you'd get stuff like that. You get like the Catamumbo lightning, which is in um, Venezuela. Like to this day, there's about 28 flashes of lightning per minute over this over this river. Uh, okay. You get in 1957, it was raining frog fish and crayfish in Thomasville, Alabama. Uh, in 2013, this is fairly recently in Lynn Haven, Florida, it rained crabs, you know, yeah, just, just, it's like cloudy with a chance of meatballs, but like real life. (laughs) I'm so glad you brought up the weird weather stuff when it comes to Wikipedia rabbit holes, because I've, I've gone down the cloud seeding rabbit hole before Mm, and like looking mm. at these kind of technologies that different countries or different people throughout history have tried to figure out a way to manipulate clouds to make it rain. Such a weird rousing rabbit hole. Have you ever gone down and this one, this one, you know, the only, this, what kind of set me off on this rabbit hole kind of, it's sort of weather, uh, 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 related is, uh, dowsing, like using a divining dowsing rods. Yeah. Yeah. So it's basically you, you, people may have seen it, remember from like a cartoon, but there would be a person with like a Y shaped stick and they would walk around and they were looking for like oil or water or something under the ground. And when the stick would start shaking, they know that's where that they would dig. So I, I read about it. It, it. You know, a lot of people just, you know, and rightly so write it off as pseudoscience. Mm-hmm. But JD, this is what set me off on, uh, um, on sort of the 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 rabbit hole because even martin luther back in the day wrote wrote about dowsing um that what set me off uh, on this rabbit hole one time you know just speaking of weather related stuff i was talking mm-hmm. to someone i don't want to I, I probably shouldn't say who but it was someone who works at a clean water organization mm-hmm. or, or or an organization at the time that was doing a clean water project and they were in a a you know I think it was like sub-Saharan Africa. And so, but this person said that they, they had spent, they had, you, you know, rented all this heavy equipment, had engineers, all these people, you know, scientific methods to try to find water and everything was no pun intended coming up dry. <laughs> a local guy with a divining rod, like the stick shaped like a Y found it. He found water all, very quickly. And now, so uh, my yeah. question is I've heard, so there's the Y shaped one, the, like the, the like wishbone looking thing. Yeah. But then there's also the one where they have the two, the yeah, two, the two L stake, yeah, 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 and and they like wiggle back and forth, and then yeah. as you get over the thing, they like, well, they, like yeah, exa- yeah, they kind of turn in <laughs> yeah. on each other. Again, there's no there's no evidence that they're actually working in any kind of meaningful way. But if right. you read the Wikipedia article, there's all these theories about like. Do we, you know, can do, are human senses actually able to kind of sense differences in like barometric pressure? And it's actually subconsciously. You're, it's so weird and interesting. I'm glad you picked weird weather. So weird weather is your first Wikipedia rabbit hole, right? Yeah, right, well, and it is. But I think to to really nail it, like end it, drive it home on weird weather is because, like I said, a rabbit hole to me, it has to start somewhere and then like take you to this other thing. So the if you keep clicking the little blue links and you keep yeah. reference reference, you'll come across this stuff called star jelly. And okay. back in the day, they thought it was like the leftover 
gelatin goo from like a falling star or whatever. Okay. And there are all these reports of like finding large clumps of it. Some scientists believe that it's nothing more than like frog sperm or something. Yeah. But I mean, people have said that it like covers their entire field and it's like mass or whatever. Um, there's actually a fringe theory that believe that the jelly substance isn't frog spawn and it's it's not just something normal, but it is actually the remains of massive, large sky jellyfish that in the atmosphere, because the atmosphere is like way bigger than even yeah. like the oceans. It's yeah. so massive that there are an actual race of sky jellyfish and a lot of UFO sightings are actually sightings of these sky jellyfish that have figured out how to live in the in the low gravity of the upper atmosphere and there's these crazy stories about people seeing them like getting tangled in um like telephone wires or like like one being on the ground and it, it like looking like it's slowly dying and others in the air like trying to float down to help it but then as the sun would come up it would like it dissolve because it was it was like too hot for it or something like it couldn't survive so it's this rabbit hole where you're like reading about like tornadoes and then you're reading about like frogs falling from the sky which is weird and then the next yeah. thing you know there's sky jellyfish that we are all the government is keeping a secret from us because then we wouldn't fly on planes if we knew that they were really sky jellyfish. So that's trying that's to the us. motivation for it's like, well, we can't hurt the air. If people knew they're sky jellyfish that, you know, are evidently yeah. pretty harmless to planes, but that would really affect air travel. Right. I love the motivation. But what other docu you know, what other book is going to document this stuff if it wasn't for the good editors of Wikipedia? Right. All right. That that's a fantastic uh, number four. Uh, the, the rabbit holes of weird weathers. Okay. So mine, you know, I, I liked, I, I started, I ended up at this place in the rabbit hole cause this is looking at a Wikipedia entry about weird sounds. Okay. Mm. Like, you know, it can be like sounds that, you know, like SETI, like the, yeah. the, yep. Uh, what, what's the acronym for? It's like the group that Carl Sagan founded, and it's right. like a search for extraterrestrial yeah. Yeah. life. If you've seen the movie Contact, it's based on the work of SETI, where they have these big satellites and they're and they're just listening out in space, and mm -hmm. occasionally they'll they'll quote unquote hear something. They'll interpret a frequency from outer space that they don't know what it is. So I was on a Wikipedia page reading about weird sounds, right? And all of a sudden, I, I landed on its own Wikipedia page for something called The Hum. Have you ever read about mm, The Hum? No, yes, I have. And um, to not spoil later numbers, uh, Unidentified Sounds is also on, on my list. But, uh, look, but yes, Katie, look at the, that. Hum, the Hum is rather fascinating. Okay, so and I've actually, I've actually, I've actually experienced The Hum. You know, it like I've been on a walk before and it sounds like... It almost in a lot of listeners, it, it, you know, it's not a it's not a huge portion of the population, but a decent portion of the population occasionally experiences or hears the hum. It usually happens according to according to this Wikipedia entry. It usually is heard during cool weather with a light breeze, and it, often you hear it early in the morning, right? So if you're out for an early morning walk and you hear what sounds like 
a piece of heavy equipment out in the distance, just this kind of low frequency, but mm-hmm. there's, it's not coming from a specific place. It seems like this hum is just kind of happening around. So this is from the Wikipedia article. The hum is the name often given to widespread reports of a persistent and invasive low frequency humming, rumbling or droning noise, not audible to all people. Hums have been reported in the United States, the UK, New Zealand and Canada. Uh, and, and there's been a ton of investigations and a ton of theories about what this hum is. Now, uh, there was there's one hum, and I think this one's somewhere out in the Midwest. They call it the uh, the towels hum because it's so you know people in that area know it so well. Uh, it's actually had a range of about 30 miles. Like people were, were reported hearing it at the same time. It's become uh, you know kind of a fixture of different elements of pop culture. Back in the day, there's an episode of Unsolved Mysteries about the about the hum. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the hum's also uh, made an appearance on on the X Files. JD, have you gone down the hum rabbit hole before? Yeah. So I even watched. There was this one guy that they interviewed who um, it started to give him basically tinnitus and um he ended up like creating a box for himself to hide in when the hum got too loud and he could he could hide himself into the box um i actually even there was one where um an entire i think it was in like the netherlands or something where an entire village started hearing it and it drove them all mad like they all went insane yeah, well, what, what's interesting is there are a lot of like theories about it from what, this from Wikipedia. Some sources claim that the low frequency radio waves or, or extremely low frequency radio waves uh, that they're actually there. So I live. So let me back up. I live pretty close to like a military base right mm-hmm. on the Chesapeake Bay, like right right by the water. And one of the theories is that it's actually part of a communication system that that is used to communicate with submarines underwater Mm. out at sea because low frequencies can travel very far underwater and you know certain people at certain times of the day if the wind's just right can actually hear it one of the other interesting theories is that it could be a result of the jet stream and against you know basically like how the air is moving is causing power line posts to vibrate and certain people can hear that low frequency again you can stay up all night reading about the hum Mm. i don't want to mess up your list but should we jump to weird? Where does weird sounds make it on your list? It's either three or two. So well, we can, these we are can very official, and I hate to like rig <laughs> the rankings. For no, the it's sake fine. Of we'll do it. We'll jump in. We'll but jump let's in. go. Let's go to your 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 number your number three here. Weird sounds. Yes, this is one of those ones where you can just type in unidentified sounds or weird sounds, and you can just follow the blue links down all different mm. kinds of places. And I kind of broke them up into four categories of the ones I like to just dive into. So yeah. there's category one, weird radio. So there's all these weird, and this is where like toe and B tiles would kind of fit in, but there are um, a few of them that have similar characteristics and they're more, they're just eerie because they don't make sense. One of them mm. is the radio station UVB 76. And it's, okay broadcast they can trace they can triangulate the broadcast out of moscow and it's just this weird humming and beeping sound and then it's interrupted with like somebody speaking russian for a little bit but it supposedly is i don't speak russian but it's supposedly just pretty much nonsense that they're speaking and then it stops and loops over and over again so some people think that it's like a cold war transmission that's that's just been left on um sometimes it'll go away for a while and then pop back up some people think that it's a 
some sort of spy communique. Uh, but there's a English version of it too. There, uh, something called the Lincolnshire Poacher is okay. another transmission that, that comes. By the way, great band name, Lincolnshire right? Poacher. Well, yeah. so Lincolnshire Poacher is actually um, a name of a song that's this kind of like lively British tune about yeah. the joys of hunting. And the reason they gave the signal that name is because there's like a little clip of that song played in the background before yeah. then you hear this very nice sounding British woman reading out random numbers. And it's just they're just eerie because you're like, yeah. I don't know what this is. This could be totally benign or this could be like the doomsday device where because like especially um, any of that Cold War era stuff, it could be like something like if that signal stopped that the lack of a signal could trigger off yeah who knows what this is like literally the like lost uh hatch like we got to go back kate moment right here it could be (laughs) something (laughs) it it, it is like you know when when you watch a show like lost and there's like a sequence of numbers like those codes sort of embedded in things that actually exist in the real world like kind of phantom radio signals but, J.D., you really tapped into on something that is the hallmark of a good Wikipedia rabbit hole is when you're done reading it, you have tons of information that is completely useless totally unless you're useless. in the hardest trivia right. game ever. And you're like, hey, could you do you know the name of a, of a folksy British uh, hunting sing-along? It's like, actually, I do. I do. Or, the hey. Lincoln Tire Bosher. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or it's like, if you're at a party and they're just run out of things to talk about, it's like, hey, do you ever have to poop when you walk into a bookstore? Well, I, d- <laughs> I just spent three hours reading about that last night. It, it, it just it just makes you more conversational. JD, in the, in the Unidentified Sounds, were there other ones that kind of jumped out to you? Yeah, so um, briefly, there's a ton of underwater sounds that have yet to be identified. Uh, there's ones called the slowdown, the train. There's one called the Julia and the bloop. <laughs> and the bloop. they pretty much, besides the Julia, I have no idea how it got its name. But the slowdown and the train, they just, it sounds like a train screeching to a halt or like something going. And it's these sounds that are captured on these high fidelity microphones underwater. And they have no idea where they're coming from. Hmm. And the bloop is literally like. It's it's ridiculous, and they're catching it on multiple of these microphones all across the Pacific and Atlantic Ocean. So the only theory that like scientists have is that maybe it's something to do with like the ice sheets moving. Yeah, but it's like I didn't know ice sheets made noises, and um, that one's kind of weird. But it's not like you you just click through and listen to the sounds. Um, But number three is uh, skyquakes. Have you have you Dove into the rabbit hole of skyquakes. No, please. I, I mean, oh, I love. Un- hey, another great band name. So Sky please quakes. indulge me. Skyquakes. So they don't know what what causes this phenomenon, but they are insane. They sound any. There's everything from ones that sound like horns and trumpets and pipes to like basically the sky is having an earthquake. Here, here, listen to this clip. It's so loud. It seems like 
it seems like that would be somewhat, even though it's it's hard to place what the sound is, it sounds like it's so loud that they would have to be able to identify something. I mean, you'd be able to hear, it's like entire towns are hearing it, and there's some where it's like, at night, it, it's gotten to the point where, um, where like some of these towns, it's just an annoyance at this point. Like, they'll mm-hmm. wake up at 3 a.m. to like the... And it's yeah, just it, like it, it, like it sounds bad... like someone tuning a bad horn. Like <laughs> it sounds like if you were to go to a thrift store and they just had like an old trumpet in the back, and your buddy was like, "Hey, hey man, watch this." That's what it sounds like. Oh, right. You know? And then and it goes everything from that to like ones where it literally sounds like mountains scraping against each other, but in like non-mountainous areas. It's. It's absolutely eerie, and there's everything from, like, theories of, like you were saying before, like, is, is it either the weather, a, ch- a shift in, like, the jet stream or something, to there are people who believe that these are actually what the Bible talks about in Revelation as the sounding of trumpets that are heard across mm. the land before the, the end of the world. Yeah. Now, so these have been going on for a while, so... <laughs> It's so we're either, right in the heart of the tribulation. Yeah, so here we saying. are. Yeah. You know, the seventh right in the middle. seal about to be opened. Yeah. <laughs> we are ushering it in right now with this podcast, with this episode, by playing <laughs> of the sky seven quakes. sky quakes. <laughs> yeah. They're not meant to be this widely heard. <laughs> that is fat. JD, that's one I think I'm going to have to spend some time with. Yeah. Uh, no, it's, it's definitely good. Skyquakes. And then the last of the unified, unidentified sounds is uh, just strange sounds that you hear in the woods. And there's mm. everything from, like, um, some of it is just eerie. There's, there are sound, sounds that you can find that are, just sound like people breathing, but it's mm. coming from, like, the woods. Not yeah. like, oh, there's a bear behind that tree breathing, but it's like a person in a cabin, and it sounds as if the entire forest is... <sighs> And it's it's insane to everything from uh, like crazy screams in the middle of the night and yeah. to something I know you know well about, but the Sierra camp sounds. That's right. And you know what, JD? I, I'm going to do this is this is me plugging another podcast uh, mm, that I go work for on it. Uh, um, uh, called Hiding Something, which is about weird stuff in the woods. And the 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 person who recorded the Sierra sounds. Uh, his name is Ron Moorhead. I actually talked to him a couple of weeks ago for hiding something, and he sent me clips. No. Of, uh, yes. Yeah. So here's he a, sent- here's a, do we want to share a, a, the briefest of clips on this show to tease the next show, or do we need? To, do you need to hold it? I'm gonna tease. Ransom. I'm gonna tease right now. Okay. I'm gonna tease okay. right now. And if this fascinates you, <laughs> because it fascinated me, <laughs> go listen to Hiding Something. And and we're actually on not the episodes that is releasing the same week as this episode, JD, but the next one. We're gonna hear more from Ron Moorhead about even, his theories about these sounds. This is the long, uh, the long buildup. Yeah. Yeah. So here, here's a clip of the Sierra sounds. <laughs> And it's named JD for a camp in the Sierra Mountains where right. they, you know evidently recorded these things. Right. And what what's the craziest thing to me about these sounds is I mean, we've all heard our share of Bigfoot sounds <laughs> where you hear this like 
yips and yells and stuff. But yeah. there's that part of the Sierra sounds where it goes from like the normal like yoop yoop to like <laughs> it's like dude I, I think it's like remember the movie willow like it's like some weird or like some weird little star wars like you know right little right. ewok dude that's yeah. what it sounds like it goes yeah. straight up from like yep yep and they even are imitating it to then all of a sudden it sounds like a klingon samurai warrior yeah is like on site and they just get silent like you can hear the 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 hunters in the recording, they're like making fun, and they're like, "Oh, there's another one over there." A... And yeah. then all of a sudden, they hear that, like, "Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, guys!" And it's like this has just gone to a whole new level. <laughs> yeah, and, and I recommend people. You know, that's there are other Wikipedia rabbit holes. It's not good. It's better to read on your lunch break than before bed. So yeah, okay, so uh, I'm gonna. I my next two are gonna be ones that uh, you know you could read at your lunch break or mm. before or before bed, and it's not going to be uh, you know all that concerning to you. And I know you know this one, JD, and I wouldn't be shocked if this one. Uh, makes your list because it is one of the most interesting things to read about the Voynich manuscript. Mm. JD, are you familiar with the Voynich manuscript? It's, it's what, <laughs> this is what's sad. What's sad is when you've done so much Wikipedia dumpster diving <laughs> is that I'm like, Oh yes, the Voynich manuscript. And then you ask me like, what is it? And I'm like, Oh crap! I'm no, not okay. sure which. That's one. okay. That's okay. Let me bring you up to speed because this would be good uh, for the listeners too who aren't uh, familiar with it. So there's this book that has been floating around for a few hundred re- years now, and it's named for Wilford Voynich, who was a collector of rare books in the early 1900s. He's the one who kind of brought it to uh, kind of lo- wide scale attention. But uh, radiocarbon dating and actually some historic artifacts like letters from these sort of rare book collectors back in the day date the book to the 14 somewhere in the 1400s. Now, what makes this book so so mysterious is that it is it's around 240 pages. There's a lot of illustrations in the book. Now, the illustrations, they show things like tubs connected to an elaborate network of pipes. Herbs and weird medicines, astronomy, maps, maps of weird, strange islands that we don't know if they actually exist, and plant-based recipes. So it's full of these pictures, but that's not even the most interesting part. The most interesting part about the Voynich Manuscript is it's written in a language that no one knows what this language is. Mm. And they don't think it's just gibberish because there seems to be a pattern to it. But the weird thing is like the, the actual characters that the language use are not characters that exist anywhere else in the world. It seems like this book just appeared in a language that no one no one knows what it is or no one is able to identify. What makes it even more strange is it's someone put a tremendous amount of work into this in the 1400s when publishing a 300-page mm. book with a lot of illustrations and maps and recipes was pretty difficult, especially because some of the plants in the book, we don't even know what the what these plants are. Now, back even like during the 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 world wars when cryptography this is this is another thing if you click on those blue links and want to go mm-hmm. down the cryptography ra- rabbit hole you know uh cryptography became a big thing because uh you know uh it, it, there were, encryption technology wasn't what it is today obviously it was an analog era 
And so actual code was was really valuable and code breakers were really valuable because it allowed governments and and kind of war military generals and commanders to be able to communicate without messages being intercepted. If the messages were intercepted, they wouldn't be able to be read and interpreted. So they actually had some of the best cryptographers and code breakers from World War One and Two take a look at this manuscript and and they couldn't crack it. No one's been able to crack the code. There have been people that say they've been able to crack it, but up to now, it's been mm. it's been uh, you know a huge mystery. Um, it's been floating around since the 1400s. It ended up in a Jesuit library of where course. uh yeah of exactly course. connected to the Vatican. Well, <laughs> here's a great and it, so it ended up in like a Jesuit library. They wanted to get rid of it to clear space. It ended up in the hands of a 17th century alchemist in Prague who was so puzzled by the book, but he decided to get rid of it because it was taking up space uselessly in his library. It has this whole interesting backstory, but you the cool thing is on the Wikipedia entry, you can actually go look at pages mm. from the book. Uh, it now belongs to a rare book collection at Ye- Yale University, and they've uploaded a lot of the pages. If you're interested in the Voynich manuscript, start with the Wikipedia article, then head over and you can look at actual pictures of it. That's what a so weird odd. but I love cool it. thing that exists in the world. Oh, I love it. And it's it's one of those things where it's weird and it's cool regardless of what it ends up being. Like yeah. if it's if it's like the solemn like king solomon's book of the dead that you can decipher and like summon archangels to your aid that's cool but also if it was like the most epic like nerdy monk host yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) all these like ancient jesuit monks are playing like their version of dungeons and dragons and this is their like guidebook (laughs) it's the ultimate long con like these these monks in like the 1400s are they're like dude just wait till like sixteen. Just wait till like six hundred years in the future. People are gonna be like, "Dude, what the heck is this? This language doesn't even exist." Either it's a fascinating long con, or some gene, some weird civilization existed that we don't know about. Right? That, you know that all they were able to produce was this weird three hundred page book of recipes, pipes, and maps of <laughs> islands. Uh, the Voynich manuscript. It is definitely a fun read. That is my number three. Uh, right coming coming right after the hum, uh, JD. What is your number two favorite Wikipedia route? So my number two is a topic that we touched on a little bit maybe earlier when you were talking about um uh, the Mandela effect and things. And this one fascinates me because there's so many occurrences of it, and yet we have no actual explanation of what's going on. And that's just the topic of mass hysteria. The idea, yes. like I can understand one person having a hallucination but i don't understand how like my hallucination can influence your hallucination because so so for people for the unacquainted mass hysteria is essentially uh a a a phenomenon that involves essentially like a social panic a lot of times unfounded so people all become consumed about worrying about something or or they all start experiencing something by watching someone else experience it. And soon, no one is able to point to the origins of what caused the hysteria. And that kind of gives like the fears validity. 
JD, what are some other interesting mass hysteria outbreaks through history? Because I have one that I want to mention mm. that made my honorable mention. But, okay. but I'll oh, let you right. go first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So one of my favorites is the Dancing Plague of 1518. This was on my honorable oh, mention list. Oh, it's so good. This it's- is so weird that <laughs> a, a town in France in 1518, hundreds of people just danced for days uncontrollably yeah they just took to the streets and just danced it started with one woman there was one woman who just was walked into the middle of the street and started uncontrollably dancing and it said that in its peak up to like there's uh differing arguments as to um the reports as to how many casualties or whatever, but there are some reports that say up to 15 people a day were dying from exhaustion from uncontrollable dance. <laughs> and what's crazy is again, 1518 is a while ago, but it's not yeah. that long ago. And to note that like at any moment, something could happen and people just start dancing in the streets uncontrollably. And they have, there are, physicians notes their historical documents there are sermons that were written about it cast trying to cast demons out of people for dancing in it what's also crazy is strasbourg is um in france is also known nowadays because uh to being like the home of christmas or whatever and it's this like quaint beautiful town and when <laughs> but my it's wife also and I, where people would just dance to death so like, you know what my theory is elves it's elves <laughs> Evil elves have possessed the people of Strasbourg. <laughs> They're dancing themselves into oblivion. It's like, uh, you know, somebody was a cotton-headed ninny muggins, yeah. and they just decided to, like, d- dance to oblivion. It is weird, like, because, like you said, it's it's long, it's a, 500 years is a long time ago. It's long enough where I feel like it's not too right, soon right. to, like, make yeah. jokes about it. But, because there are other reports that they don't know if that, it, they, so the, the reports of, like, people dying from dancing are kind of disputed. Right, somewhere, right, you know, right. it may have been lost to history. It, maybe just one day it just stopped. People stopped dancing. That, that, could, that could happen, too. But, again, it's not that long enough ago where it'd be like, man, people were weird. It's like, no, I mean, we, we read books, <laughs> right, not, right, you yeah, know, from that, yeah, from that right. time, you know? So it's crazy, too, because one of the things that fascinates me about almost all the mass hysteria cases that you can find on Wikipedia is that question. No one seems to document how it stopped. They just yeah. talk about it and then move on. Like, when did the dancing plague stop? Did, like... Just people did not care. Did music change? <laughs> like, yeah. what, like what happened? Yeah. Hey, were there any other interesting mass hysteria events that that you stumbled on while going down that rabbit hole? Yeah. So in similar vein uh, to the dancing plague, this one wasn't as lethal. But in 1962, again, super recent in uh, Tanzania, there were a bunch of students came down with what they termed the laughing plague. It started in one classroom of students. They just started like giggling. And, you know, I'm sure you've been in that scenario where like somebody laughs at something and it maybe isn't even that funny, but because they're laughing, you laugh. And then it's like contagious. Well, this took that to the extreme where after six months, it had spread to across multiple towns and villages in the area. And people were just laughing and fainting. And it would just be these spells of... Of just laughter for no apparent reason, and it's just it, it, it's like the it's like Adele on SNL, you know, right. just laughing, <laughs> right. for, yeah. just laughing for no reason. <laughs> and then the last one that's kind of creepy is more recent. It's in 2016, 
Um, and this is the like the rabbit hole, right? Because yeah. you're reading about these things from a long time ago. And then 2016 in Malaysia. Yeah, um, I, I've, I've read about this. Yeah, the 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 whole the entire school facility that swears that they would see this black figure, um, tall, dark mass black figure, like creeping through the hallways. And you'd say, okay, this is one of those, um, you know, maybe the the kind of Eastern uh, ghost stories kind of things, yeah. one of the water spirits or what whatnot. Um, but this was witnessed by over one hundred reputable witnesses claimed to have seen this thing in in a, in a certain time period, and people were saying that they would feel like drained or like something was trying to possess them. And this is the weird part. This is the other part about mass hysteria. So there's one part of it that that weirds me out where I'm like, I don't understand how it could just be a hallucination. When you start to get hundreds of people doing the same thing or hundreds yeah. of people witnessing the same activity, whether it's a creepy tall black figure, that's like a, some sort of vampire ghost, or if it's a dancing plague, you're like, what, what's to say that there isn't, a creepy black figure creeping around in the schools of Malaysia. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that one's pretty, the, the, the Malaysian case is pretty well documented and it's pretty, it's studied as a case of mass hysteria. Right. And, the, and the reason why they think it's mass hysteria, the, re, the reason why they think it's almost like the power of social pressure and suggestion that calls people to either see things that aren't there or behave in a way that seeming, that seems like it's outside of their uh, control is because they just stop. Right. Like mm -hmm. just one day mm -hmm. they just sort of stop. And so that that kind of Lee. And if it wasn't for a historical pattern of like mass hysteria breakouts, I think it would be it would be less it would be more freaky. But it's like throughout history, different kind of social like social patterns that kind of lead to this kind of stuff. Like right. a lot of communities that are very tight knit uh, mm -hmm. communities that mm -hmm. are that are, you know, kind of have are very like religious or kind of fundamental in their understanding right, of, you know, right. you know, have a lot of fundamentalism in the understanding of the world. It seems like they're, they are sort of predisposed to, to bouts of mass hysteria. Very interesting, uh, uh, a rabbit hole there, JD. JD, I have one that I, I, <clears throat> I feel like another sign of a good internet rabbit hole or a Wikipedia rabbit hole is if you read it and you're like, dude, that would make an interesting movie. Mm, right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And ones that either confirm or uh, or deny the the validity of like an urban legend, and so I so my number two favorite internet uh, favorite Wikipedia rabbit hole is the Atari video game burial. Have uh, you are you familiar with this urban legend? Are you referring to the ET in the yes. desert? <laughs> yes. Yes. So for a while there was this rumor that that was kind of floating around in internet circles that. There was a spot in the middle of the Arizona desert, somewhere out there, uh, where if you were to to dig it up, you would find millions of copies of a video game. And that video game was called E.T. the Extraterrestrial, and it was a game for the Atari gaming system. Now, what's notable about that video game, E.T. the Extraterrestrial, for Atari back in 1983, is it is large, it is you know, pretty widely considered the worst video game of all time ever so made. There, ever yeah, made. ever made. Yeah. So there's an interesting backstory, though. Uh, so at the time, and the reason I think this would make a good movie is because there's so many interesting things, including the urban legend, uh, mm -hmm. a bit of it. Mm -hmm. But also, it's a story about sort of uh, American capitalist hubris, 
You know, right. because at the time uh, in the early 80s, Atari was a huge company. They were like they had gone from a few hundred million dollar company to a two billion dollar company. They were peerless in the video game world, but they their kind of spending and sort of cockiness got out of hand. They were also like rumors of like insider trading and, and, and allegations of kind of some shady business stuff. But anyway, they're riding high. It's the early 80s. And they had a couple of huge hit video games, including a video game version of the Raiders of the Lost Ark. Mm-hmm. So they they started negotiating with Steven Spielberg himself uh, because they knew that he was going to be putting out e- a movie called E.T. And so they negotiated with Steven Spielberg. But the thing is, the negotiations got held up and it ended up Atari ended up paying Steven Spielberg in the studio around 20 million dollars for the rights to make an E.T. video game. The only problem was they negotiated so long that it left them with a window of five weeks to make an E.T. video game to be ready for the holiday season. But it's almost like, do you remember the the scene in Elf where they ship the book that is missing the last couple pages? And he's just like, no, just ship it. Who cares? They're not going to miss the last (laughs) couple pages. That's basically what happened. They finished the game. In five weeks, they know the game is no good, but they're like, who cares? It's people are going to buy. It's an E.T. game. The 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 results and they and they the other interesting thing is they print they made more copies of the game than Atari consoles that existed. Right. So so it wasn't even possible to sell through the inventory. But they were thinking, hey, the game's going to be so popular. It doesn't matter if it's good that we'll end up selling so many games and that's going to increase demand for the system. Long story short, it bankrupt Atari and these games sat in a warehouse and it, they determined it would be cheaper to go bury them in the desert, which they did, than to keep them in storage. They buried them in the desert. And then this is actually a really weird move because this never really happens uh, like in mass dump uh, you know, holes. They yeah. covered it with concrete so that <laughs> this horrible memory was just forever forgotten until 2013. When uh, uh, kind of video game researchers raised over a hundred thousand uh, dollars as part of a Kickstarter campaign, uh, and they ended up over over the course of a couple of years uh, raising the funds to go out to the desert. And in 2013, they went actually went out there with a documentary film crew, busted through the concrete, and dug up a bunch of the Atari games. Uh, the copies were sold for charity purposes. Uh, and they they they've they've raised uh, quite a bit of money. The, these are like collector's items. It's the worst game of all time. Isn't it great to live in a day and age when you can say the phrase "video game historian" with a straight face? <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I mean, JD, you understand we're doing a podcast about Wikipedia articles. Like, <laughs> video game historian is not that far removed from what we're doing right now like, in terms of professional out, like, credibility. Those video game historians, like, you know, are they on staff at? at Rutgers or like what what's yeah what's the professional path if you're like studying video game history in college get some like corporate backing for video game historian you you have one job channel and that's hopefully you end up as the voiceover guy on that Netflix series like high score which is about video game history what other what other job path is there you know (laughs) All right, JD. That that is that is my number two. What is your number two favorite Wikipedia rabbit hole? Uh, I think I'm on number one. This is number oh, yeah. one. Yeah. Okay. Oh we're, yeah. That's right. Ready. That's right. Yeah. You're number one. That was, that was so my, my number, number two. one You're favorite thing. And this is because it goes ton of different ways, and it could just you just go on forever about it. 
are Wikipedia time travel stories. Mm. I they're not nec- they're not the creepiest thing. They're not like even the most mind blowing thing, but they're just there's so many of them out there, and it's such a weird thing. And I love how it's like modern science is like pretty much no, this is this cannot happen. This will not happen. No, but yet somehow there's all these stories that still exist. And I've got a few on here or just almost there's a few that kind of represent kind of different genres. So you have yeah. stuff like uh, John Titer, who there was, yeah. was the online. Um, there was like a thread online uh, in the year 2000 and he uh, was from the future and he came back to 1975 to retrieve an old IBM system so that they could solve a problem that they were having with the Linux code. Um, and he just like disappears. And there's a quite a few of these type stories where you've got some like weird, like Reddit or other chat room kind of thing where someone claims to be from the future. They've got a little bit of weird knowledge. Um, and there's just a ton of those. And those are just kind of like, they're interesting, but I don't put a lot of credence in them because, yeah, you know, we've yeah. haven't haven't we all written who, our own? Who, who <laughs> among us haven't just wandered into a chat room and claimed to be a time traveler? Right. I mean, come future. on. Let, let's yeah. be realistic. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but then there's one, um, and these ones are fascinating. The ones that are military. So yeah. uh, one of my favorites is Victor Goddard, who in 1935 was um, Royal Air Force. Uh, pilot and he was flying over Scotland and a storm came upon him he ended up flying through the cloud and he was about to fly over the the Drum Air Force Base which had actually in, in the 30s it, it had actually been uh, abandoned it, they, had, they had decided to scrub it and everything and so he was flying over this empty this empty thing and he gets he gets through there and then uh, the storm starts to pick up and he can see through a little hole in the clouds. He looks back down on the Air Force base as he's going over it. And all of a sudden, it's f- totally populated. There's, like, airplanes. And, and I mean, you're talking the 30s, so, like, airplanes are l- much lower to the ground, noisy and everything. And um, they can look down and they can see, he can see, uh, like, engineers running back and forth, like, scrambling as if they could hear him or perceive Hmm. him or whatever and it's like oh we're under attack or whatever and then you know he went back into the clouds and then he left the cloud again and nothing it was was nothing and he reported it officially when he landed and then he flew back the other way and nothing it was just totally normal and it was just strange the strange occurrence well then the weird thing about that one is that only a few years later World War II starting to pipe back, pipe up and everything. And so they decided to reactivate the base. And so there's always been this fun question of like, well, did he travel back in time or did he travel forward in time? (laughs) Because Mm. there's this narrow window, which he was flying over, which there was nothing there. And there are a handful. There are a ton, actually, of these weird, like, time portal stories that have to do with storms and clouds. And those are fun. Uh, Another one, and this this one is is you know, a rabbit hole again, where, um, the chronovisor, I'm sure, you know, of the chronovisor. Of tell me, tell me <laughs> father Ernest er- Ernetti's chronovisor. So the idea was that, um, the Vatican had, mm-hmm. uh, collected 12 famous scientists to be head up by, um, this father. And he was also like a, a physicist 
And okay. they were trying to explore um, the how electromagnetism worked with the world around it and, and things. And they had developed this large wooden cabinet filled with cathode tubes and all these leathers, levers and stuff. It's like what you would imagine an HG well time machine being like, you know, yeah, it's very like steampunky. Like, like, yeah, <laughs> steam, yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> it's like that video of that guy playing like the organ with all those weird sounds, like pulling all these knobs and yeah, stuff. All the yeah. knobs, levers yeah. and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like it's beakers like, going everywhere. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm yeah, getting, yeah. I'm yeah. getting the drift. Little, yeah. little weird sounds are going on. Well, yeah. the idea was that they were, they were able to identify electromagnetic radiation from previous events and so they weren't traveling in time but what they were able to do is decode basically the leftover uh electromagnetic shock waves that existed through it mm. and descramble them to at first hear audio so they would hear like voices in latin or greek or whatever and they could tune these voices in to like hear ancient ancient plays being performed or ancient speeches being performed so, so, so like got, the point the point of the machine was sort of to have like a, a stethoscope to the past essentially right right it, it so it wasn't that they were they weren't saying that they were traveling through time as much as they were just decoding the um essentially the electromagnetic leftovers hmm. of the past and so um they got voices and stuff and then they eventually added a um like a like a tube television screen to it and they could see these blurry black and white images and they they claimed that they had even taken a picture of Christ's crucifixion and they published it in newspapers all over the world people were saying no it can't possibly be real it's a hoax but then as all good stories do it goes entirely cold when the Vatican immediately shuts down the project and the chronovisor disappears from history. Mm-hmm. Now that is a great Wikipedia rabbit hole. <laughs> the chronovisor. So are there more theories about what whatever happened to it? Does it exist? Has the does, is it like exist in the bowels of the Vatican's archive somewhere? Right. Is that so what, that what? is that is kind of the like prevailing conspiracy theory. There's a recent book that was released about it where they talk about how um there were some deathbed confessions. Um but um but even those seem to be like conflicting because in some circumstances he would deny that it was it was fake. And then others, he would actually admit that maybe some of the things that they released to the press weren't real. But he still always held firm that the chronovisor was a real operational thing. And what's crazy about it, too, is that, you know, everybody was like, what are you talking about? This is crazy. This is insanity or whatever. But. As we're starting to like explore more into like quantum physics and the quantum realm, there are these crazy things that we're just starting to tap into and understand about how like the ripples and the effects at the quantum level may act differently. And so the idea of us being able to somehow um, not necessarily travel in time backwards, but like be able to discramble the leftover radiation from previous events is is possible. Um, and, and in that same way, there's a, this is a little side rabbit hole where there are some modern reports this, and this crosses over because of the, the idea of the electromagnetism radiation combination. There are some modern reports that people touring the Fukushima disaster site have actually gone through like heavy mists and things 
and their like tour bus has come upon what they thought at the time was like a movie set because it was all these like period like mm. like old time like Japanese yeah. uh wardrobes and cars and stuff and then they drive through a mist again and it's gone and even the tour guys like oh I didn't know something was going on today and then they would go tell people about it and then and everyone was like what are you talking about nothing's going on here but um the very last thing in my rabbit hole for the time travel stories is actually maybe not a time travel story at all but have have you ever heard about the story of the man from Torrid no So, in 1954, a man lands in the Tokyo airport. Okay. And as he's going through customs, he's he's immediately flagged, and they bring him into the back room, and they start to question him, where are you from? Like, what's going on here? Because his passport and all the documents that he has and all the money that he has is from a country that does not exist. A country (laughs) called Torrid. And... They were interviewing him. The man was fluent in multiple languages. He had he had m- money from this place on him. He, his passport was on this. Everything looked totally legit. It's just the country itself didn't exist. So they took him into the room. He was he was totally c- trying to convince them like I am from this place. Torrid. They asked him where it was. He's like, look, just bring me a map and I'll show you on the map where it is so they bring him a map and he confidently points to the small area right on the border of france and spain um the only problem is is that i guess in our universe that is the principality of andorra and he which i honestly had never heard of before but if you you imagine (laughs) you could have said that was anything you could have said that was a book and i'd be like oh i'll read a wikipedia page on that oh yes i I know that place yeah Yeah. no can you imagine like being the security guards and and him pointing to this thing like oh no sir that's that's clearly not torrid that's obviously the (laughs) principality of andorra (laughs) so anyway he points to it and so there's this problem and and then he, the man starts to get get flustered and frustrated because yeah. it's obviously he's talking about a small area, small region. It's probably he's probably used to the idea that people aren't exactly most familiar with his country. But then when they're showing him maps that don't have his map on it, he starts to get belligerent. He starts to get a little angsty. So they didn't want to just even though he seemed completely peaceful and fine, they yeah. didn't want to just send him on his way. So they end up putting him in a secure hotel room while they are starting to make phone calls around and everything. They give him back all his possessions. So he goes into that room. They station police officers outside of the room to make sure nothing weird happens. The next morning they go to retrieve him, uh, to bring him into another round of questions. He has completely vanished him and all his possessions are totally gone. And it's one of those stories that, you're reading kind of fun, like, oh, this Royal Air Force pilot thought yeah. he saw an airplane field that was, you know, populated that really wasn't. Or like, oh, maybe this monk, or not monk, but maybe this priest had discovered a way to, like, have a history television set or whatnot. Yeah. And then you get to these stories where it's like, is that, is that, like, interdimensional travel now are we talking about? Is this... What what is Torrid? Did it exist at one point in time? Is it going to exist in the future? Like, and this guy landed on an airplane with other travelers. So, like, at what point did, he did the crossover? The 
Yeah. Right. So, and you and you, you can read all about this on. Uh, he has his own Wikipedia entry. I assume. Right. You just follow follow through the 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 man from Torrid. Oh, dude, so good. Well, JD, my number one doesn't top that. I so <laughs> so JD, mine is. I feel like this one is sort of a gimme putt because I feel like this is really the entry point to Wikipedia rabbit holes because it's one of the great unsolved crimes that was also basically victimless. So you don't have to feel like you're, you know what I mean? Like sometimes mm. if you're like, Oh, let's go, let's go solve a, a, an old murder or something. You're like, kind of feel weird about it. This one is just one of the great heist of, of in American history that is totally unsolved to this day. And it's the case of DB Cooper. Have you gone down the DB Cooper rabbit hole before? Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yes. So, so, yeah, so so this is it's a great it's a great mystery, uh, especially and this is one you can read late at night and you're not going to get creeped out by anything. So uh, the 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 year the year was 1971 and flying was like a big deal back then. Like you would dress up to go mm-hmm. on an airplane. You know what I mean? This is like kind of like madman madman era, right? Like everyone kind of looks nice. Like flying, like I said, it was a big deal. Kind of like it was like going to do something very special. It's like you're going on the Titanic, right? right. But it was also a very lax security. It's basically the same <laughs> security as like taking the bus right now. You know, right. like it's a different era. Well, uh, in 1971, a man who identified himself as Dan Cooper. Now he's gone. Uh, he's gone. You know, in history, he's known as DB Cooper. But it was basically because of a typo. A news reporter misidentified the name Dan Cooper as DB Cooper. So uh, he's publicly known as DB Cooper. He got onto an airplane and purchased a ticket. And uh, during the flight, he ordered a bourbon and coke, and is just chilling out. And he's actually pretty chatty with the flight attendants. Until at some point in the flight, he hands the flight attendant a note. Now, the flight attendant puts the note away, you know, just kind of hanging out. And he says, no, no, you might want to read that. I have a bomb. So the flight attendant reads it. And in the note is our instructions. And the instructions are they are to land the plane at an airport. And he will uh, he will let the passengers off the plane. And they are to bring him a bag full of $200,000 in cash. First off, D.B. Cooper's not that greedy, right? right. I mean, I mean the, come on. A, a equivalent, like, that's like $1.2 million. It's still a lot of money. But if you're going to if you're gonna go down in history as one of the craziest heists ever, two hundred grand seems pretty like a modest ask. That's reasonable. That's yeah. a reasonable ask. I mean, yeah. you feel like if you're going to do this, you might as well risk at least something to where you'd literally never have to work. I mean, I know if you were like really wise, but like, if you were wise with your money, you probably wouldn't be hijacking. You would, yeah, exactly. So. It wouldn't come to this. So, so DB Cooper, man of his word, at, when they bring on the cash, he lets all the passengers off. But the other instructions on the note, because he claimed he still had the bomb, was to that the pilot was to take back off and head to a different airport. Now, on their way, they're flying over the desert. DB Cooper puts on a parachute, grabs his bag, and jumps out of the commercial airline, never to be seen again. Like it's they so search, great. they search for his body, they search for the cash. Nothing, nothing has ever been found. Now, the the widespread speculation is that even if he was like really good at parachuting, he just jump out of a commercial airliner. <laughs> like they're not flying. At, you know, he's in a suit. Right. Right. But they never found a body. They never found the cash. So there is a lot of speculation that D.B. Cooper actually survived this heist, 
and and you know that that he pulled he pulled it off now there has been if you go to the wikipedia page there are numerous i mean th- this page is book length and there are mm-hmm. numerous suspects and theories about who it could have been one of my favorite things was at, at towards the end of mad men did, were you a mad men fan jd yeah 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 they, they, there was a lot of speculation about how they're going to end the series. Like, what would what oh, would happen nice. to Don Draper? There was a theory coming into the final season that it would all lead up to Don Draper actually being DB Cooper. I and mean, that, and the last episode, like, with all yeah. the the falling man iconography that they used, it, it like would totally play in. It, yeah, it, exactly. And, and it has all the the it has all of like the hallmarks of like Don Draper. One, he orders like a cocktail. He's kind of mm-hmm. flirty with the the flight attendants, but he's also a man clearly capable of doing terrible things and is probably a sociopath that's haunted by his past, you know, and consumed with greed. So it would have made a good, it would have made a weird ending to Madman. but DB Cooper, he never been solved. And, uh, if you want to go down a Wikipedia rabbit hole, I highly suggest that. Listen, JD, I got a lot of reading to do tonight. I have a feeling I'm going to be up Me late too. going down these <laughs> rabbit holes. Man. Yeah. This was a yeah. lot of fun, dude. It was great. And I'm, I'm really proud of us that neither of us did, like obvious things like we didn't do ufos yeah we didn't i mean we i did noises but we didn't really get into like bigfoot or missing 411 or or even like men in black or like mothman stuff like there's all these fantastic things that you can do and we just found the you know we found some gems i feel like these are you know a variety of interesting things if Again, you want stories gonna, about Mothman and aliens, there are plenty of podcasts. But how many times can you get air jellyfish and like airplane burglary in the same podcast? Yeah, very video games and time travelers. <laughs> right, you know, that's yeah. the beauty. That's the beauty of Wikipedia. The great thing is you, you read up on this stuff, you become the most interesting person at the party because you just Absolutely. have you, know, you got a lot of interesting stuff to talk about. Well, JD, this was a blast, man. Great. Appreciate it. All right, buddy. Hey, keep up the good work. And uh, like if if people stumble across hiding something and like, man, that is a fantastic podcast logo. That's the work of J.D. J.D., where can people uh, find more of your work and and learn a little bit about you on on social or or out on the interwebs? Well, you can um, follow my really bad dad jokes on Twitter. uh, It's at John David Harris, but with no vowels. So there's that. Um, And then I, I have a dribble of the same account. So at, and then John David Harris with no vowel. So J H N D V D H R R S. And that's dribbles where I keep up all with all my like art stuff and Twitter's where I post all my dad jokes. So. All right, folks, you heard it. Go check him out. John David Harris, JD. Thanks, man. Yeah, man. All right. We'll see you guys next time.